Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Well, good evening. I'm Robert A. Wilson with Cowboy Wisdom, Visionary Vitality. And I had a little trouble getting on, and I want to introduce my guest tonight, and it's Freya Narjan from, and she is a, she's about education for cultivating expanded pleasure and enduring intimacy and she's an independent hypnotist, body worker and emotional freedom facilitator. Her work is her passion and she's happiest when thinking, breathing and feeling and doing what I love most. Freya first earned a massage diploma in New York as well as studied the original emotional freedom techniques as presented by Gary Craig. In Germany, she discovered and fell in love with the simplicity and the incredible effectiveness of an updated method called Faster EFT, which is Emotional Freedom Technique. She studied, finally studied it on a practitioner level using a program made available by Robert Smith. She was always interested in tools for changing an improved life. She pursued education in a subliminal programming, quantum touch, tantric arts, and studied mindscaping and hypnosis, completing the architecture of hypnosis practitioner and master's courses offered by Dr. Mike Mendel at the University of Toronto. Freya has been working independently with the body, mind-body connections, and sensuality for the last eight years and consistently, she's upgrading her skills, knowledge, and techniques. She cares about real-life application results rather than endless talk and theorizing. And so without any further ado, I want to bring on Freya Norjan. Welcome, Freya. Hello. How are you this How evening? How are you this evening? I'm very oh, I'm great. You're my guest. I'm really happy You're to be guest. here. my guest. Thank oh, you. I'm honored to have you. And also, it uh, makes my day to have you as a guest. But there's a question that came to me yesterday, and I really want to ask you this. How is it the biggest challenge people face is looking for somebody else to satisfy their life physically, sexually, and everything? How do you feel that ends up really being a disconnect between people? I think, first of all, the biggest problem with that is the idea that somebody else has to satisfy you in your life. Um, as long as you're seeking for somebody else to satisfy you, you will never stop seeking because that can't happen. Um, I believe that you have to be already be satisfied. You have to find what makes you happy and choose to be happy and choose to do the things that you enjoy, things that you care about and that, um, make you feel like you have purpose, <clears throat> and then you will find somebody who complements 
that state of being that you're in, you can't go from unhappy to somebody else making you happy. So that's the biggest issue I have with that statement that you made. Yes. And ain't that kind of where the world is, is everybody seeking something outside of themselves to be, well, their way of life, physically, sexually, spiritually, everything, rather than look inside and to be satisfied and at peace with with themselves, do you feel? It's certainly a source of conflict for people and relationships. Um, one of the problems, let's bring this into sexuality since that's my subject, uh, but people are looking, a lot of times people who become dissatisfied with sex in a relationship, whether it starts that way or whether it gets that way, um, they're really being lazy and they're not cultivating their own passion, their own desire and sexuality. What they're doing is wanting somebody else to do something so that they can react to it. They're waiting for somebody else to do the things that turn them on. Um, They're not actually engaging and actively creating and participating in their own um, passion and sexuality and pleasure. So there's a big problem. And it is. And we're always, sexually, every way possible, we're always looking for somebody else. So if somebody was in that frame of mind in their life, and how does that frame of mind go to the bedroom and the bedroom and the way they, the intimacy of a relationship once it goes away, doesn't the rest of the relationship crumble? Do I think the rest of the relationship, yeah, I do think the rest of the relationship suffers because the intimacy and the sexuality, now I'm not taught, when I say sexuality, I mean I mean the touch, the closeness, the sort of intimate trust that you have on this physical level. That's what makes a romantic partnership special. I can, you know, I have a best friend. I have lots of man buddies, man friends. Um, My partner, I happen to feel that my my partner is my best friend. But more than that, like I have other really good best guy friends, but more than that, he is the person um, that I share my sexuality with. So that makes him special. When If that was totally gone, then we're just best friends living together. So it's extremely important for us to maintain that physical intimacy. And the other the other side of that is physical intimacy, physical touch creates love. So oxytocin is the bonding hormone, the hormone that, you know, bonds mothers with their babies, that makes people feel like they're in love after sex, after orgasm. And even if you're not feeling horny, if you touch each other, if you massage each other, if you're intimate, you're still creating oxytocin so you are literally making love you're making love when you touch your partner so you're creating that substance that's going to keep you feeling close and I think that is essential in long term relationships and is it that you know when you're dating Freya you know you're working at it and you're going through it and you're putting out the effort but once you become married and it becomes you actually let that go and, and and you stop doing it. But how would it feel if people never quit dating and they kept that romantic up? But and, and how would that keep the relationship moving forward? I think that um, two, there's two sides to that. And that in itself, because it's a common bit of advice, 
which makes a lot of sense. It's also a little bit simplistic because when you first start dating, um, you have a cascade of reactions and responses physically and in the brain um, that make you feel pretty much obsessed with your partner. You want them. You desire to meet with them. They're so, 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 so attractive to you. After a couple of years maximum, those res- those involuntary sexual responses go away. That's biology. We were animals. We were created to perpetuate the species. So if you want that involuntary reaction, you've got to find a novel mate, which is why porn is so popular, but that's that's a whole different subject. So what you have to do when that fades is consciously cultivate attraction, arousal to your partner. You've got to be you've got to be choosing to not only as you say put your best put, foot forward. You know what, if you held the door open for her in the beginning, holding it open, don't just let it slam in her face. If you carried things, if you um did little tasks and little things that made her feel cared about and loved, those are still really important. Um Life is not an endless honeymoon. Kids come into play, real life, work. But those little gestures um, cannot go away completely. And coming back to the whole conscious cultivation of attraction, you also have to be mindful of what you're thinking when it comes to your partner. If your primary stream of thoughts about, you know, the person you've been with 10 years is how messy they are, how they've aged a little bit, critical of their appearance, they they spill their food when they eat it, they don't do this, they don't do that, something's annoying about them. Um, That makes up the bulk of your thoughts about them and the bulk of your perceptions about them. And no, that's not attractive. If you, your primary thoughts about them, the same way that they were when you were first dating, what do you do? Okay, you maybe know that they have some faults, but who cares about that? You're too busy thinking about how beautiful their eyes are, how good they smell. Um, You know, that, that certain little feeling that you get when their warm lips are just behind your ear. And you're thinking about the things that you love about them, and you have to keep on doing that and not fall into poor patterns of thinking. And, you know, when you're getting into that critical stage and that critic is going, how does that also show up in every facet, but you also take it to the bedroom and the intimacy is gone? And once the intimacy is gone, then it just becomes a routine, uh, a life of routine mundaneness. And how does that actually probably lead the leading cause of divorce today? I think I think people divorce because they don't see any hope for it getting better. So if things get to the point where they there's nothing compelling about your partner um and you also have the belief that it's never going to get better you see no alternative except to seek something better outside of the relationship either before divorce or after divorce, but you may be seeking it before divorce, which leads to the divorce because now you're cheating and 
um, all that kind of stuff. But it's the loss of hope and the loss of interest. I'm on uh, Freya's website. It's www.thesensationalist.org, and that's T-H-E-S-E-N-S-U-A-L-I-S-T.org. But let's get more into what you do to expand and energize the intimacy in a relationship. And you got one here that really kind of caught me sexual mastery is it and what does that really involve sexual mastery isn't that experimenting with the other one to see what how they respond to you um i would i think sexual mastery is something that we can aspire to so to have sexual mastery you have to make your sexuality not something that happens by default, but you have to make it into a practice. So your sexuality is something that you're mindful of and that you tend to. You you practice it. You, you work on it. You work on developing your abilities, not only to give, but to receive. You work on your abilities to communicate. And you actually take an active interest in finding things that you want to experiment and play with because you never stop growing sexually and it's a myth that sex, you know, that there's some sort of sexual peak in people. Maybe they're talking biological reproductive function, but sex is more than that. Sex is more than reproduction. It's something that brings us together and it's an expression of our true self. So to me, that's what sexual mastery is. It's something that it's something that you develop a practice to in order to aspire to, but it's an ongoing one. It's not like you you reach it and then you're there and then that's it. And, and but and something else that you and I talked about when you know men have trouble they they have premature ejaculation, and how does that actually? start carrying over into the relationship and if the woman starts saying something bad about a man that has premature ejaculation how does that start playing out in all their life and do you have something that will help men with premature ejaculation well um, premature ejaculation is the source of a lot of jokes and can be immensely humiliating and embarrassing to the man who feels like he is a lousy lover because he can't hold off from ejaculating. And there's nothing more demoralizing in a relationship when a man feels like he's a crappy lover. Because I think that um, in spite of all of the complaints that I hear, you know, you read it around, you hear it around how men are so selfish, men are so selfish, all they care about is themselves. I don't really think that's the case. I think in very young men, um, there's this drive that's overwhelming and it makes them selfish and they're kind of interested in getting the rocks off. But once you get past that, generally speaking, men are immensely interested in um, making the woman that they're with happy. So premature ejaculation is, I believe it's a learned response. And I also believe that you can train your body not to do it. I know this because I also deal with 
that's one of the most common things I deal with um, in clients. And it's also, I deal with the opposite, men who have trained themselves to be unable to ejaculate um, through their habits. So <clears throat> essentially, uh, you can, if a man has it and wants to be able to last longer, he has to, now I have my own sequence of steps for, for teaching it here, but he has to learn how to handle arousal and stimulation without going over the edge. And that takes practice. That takes mindfulness. It takes being 100% in the zone and aware of every single nuance in your body and being able to control that. And also, like I said, handling the stimulation. Uh, A lot of people have no capacity for sexual attention. They feel a little bit of sexual attention and they have to go They've got it coming out because essentially that's what ejaculation is, right? It, an orgasm, it's a release of your erotic energy rather than holding it in and having it inside your body. So um, it, it's physical and mental practice. There's no you know, magic pill. There is a, a drug that um, doctors can provide, which I disagree with very, very strongly. It's a combination of... Um, antidepressants, which make you non-functional and unable to come, unable to come, and um, then also Viagra so that you can still get it up despite your inability to come. So um, I just think that takes away from your sexuality rather than helping you to master your sexuality. Also, now I got a question. Uh, What if a woman can't have an orgasm? Can you help them? to learn how to have an orgasm? Yes, I can. Um, I would, for women, you have to get, okay, so this is a physical aspect for men and a learned thing. For women, I have to find out why they're not orgasming. They may not be orgasming because they have a lot of, maybe they've had abuse and they've shut down their stuff, like shut down their bodies. Um, They may be unresponsive to their partner because she's resentful. Because our our bodies and our responsiveness is so connected to our emotions. Uh, We generally don't just sort of have these physical responses totally aside from whatever we're thinking or feeling. So I have to get to the root of why she's not orgasming and then help her discover her body and awaken her body. Um, sensual body work is actually really, really, really helpful for women in these cases. And same with um, same with emotional freedom technique and uh, like trance work, erotic hypnosis. Erotic hypnosis can help um, wake up orgasms in women because the more orgasmic you are, um, the more orgasmic you are. It, it gets better and better, and it's something that you develop. <coughs> Would you say an orgasmic block is a subconscious thing? Block is what? Is in the subconscious more than anything else? I think it's in the emotions, yeah. And also, also, how are men and women afraid to be passionate with each other and touch each other and actually arouse themselves all day long? Because isn't making love an all-day thing and then the sexual act is just what the last thing? 
or the all day thing? Keeping your passion alive is an all day thing because you can't, especially women, but men too. People people think that men are just these machines that turn on and off and 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 they fuck as soon as they you know see a naked woman. It's not true. Um, this is just this is a real macho myth, and the belief in it is really damaging to men because they base their you know male identities and male ego on these beliefs, and they think, oh, what's wrong with me because I'm not like that. So we're not we're different. We're so different, but we're not as different as we think we are and men are just as emotionally affected as women are. So when you, you know, you're living your daily life, you say you've got kids, you're working. um, And when your daily life is stressful to you, you know, the last thing on your mind for maybe for women, but it can be sex. So you have to weigh in all the different aspects of your life and how they're affecting your sexuality so if you're miserable as heck at work uh, you're criticized you hate it you hate being there this is going to be a drain on your sexuality if your home life is really really hectic you guys are short with each other you're critical um, there's no there's no warmth there's no teasing because you've got to tease each other. You've got to give each other anticipation. Anticipation is most of the game, actually. Because you can't go from zero to hot. You enjoy the build-up and, and, and the simmer so that lovemaking never really stops. It, it, there's no like start and finish. It's this sort of continuous um, back and forth and relationship between the two of you. And, you know, the back and forth, isn't it paying attention when you're, well, when you're teasing each other to where you understand where the other one's uh, kind of the turn-on spots or the hot buttons are? Doesn't that kind of, don't you want to pay attention to that to have a better relationship? Very much so. You, it's not enough to think about, it's not enough to think about only them. It's also not enough to think about only you. You, you know, you may not like or be overly fond of something that your partner loves, but it's useful to use that to help your partner's juices flow. And you're doing that out of love and respect for your partner. You're not doing that like you. You have to see it as something that you are happy and willing to do, not as a chore. Once it becomes a chore, then the um, the sexual charge is taken out of it. And I find that when I, well, I find that when you when you're sexually fulfilled, and when you're sexually happy, and your and your partner pleases you, those kinds of things are so much fun to do. Um, even when you're not that into them, when you are feeling sexually depleted, sexually neglected, and ignored, then doing things that doing things specifically for your partner becomes a little bit of a resentment point. So that's also really important to keep in mind. There's got to be a balance there. And also in that balance, when people enter the bedroom and go to 
and they shouldn't they leave all the daily stuff outside and just have the bedroom for them too and whatever the passion of the relationship just in the bedroom there when leave the rest of the world outside do you feel yeah we we're creatures of habit all day every day we go through these little trance loops and by trance loops i just mean that we we kind of repeat the same things the same thoughts the same feelings the same routines the same actions whether it's getting up and walking to the bathroom and um, pouring your coffee and brushing your teeth. We go through these same things and have the same feelings every single day. We're very routine. So um, when you go to bed, it's... Now, chances are we don't... You know, unless you're unless you're a certain age, you're retired or you're younger or, or different things or you don't work or something, chances are the best time for making love is going to be before you go to bed and in the morning before you leave, if you get up early enough. So it makes it makes the most sense to make that time sexy time. And by sexy time, I don't mean you have to go all out and have this big, huge, long, drawn-out lovemaking session every single night. But to make your going-to-bed routine um, basically a trigger for erotic closeness is immensely helpful to the relationship. If your routine is that you, you know, take your clothes off, get it or or you know, put on some big jammies, go to bed, turn on the TV and tune out everything and fall asleep to the TV, um, you know, you're disconnecting from your partner every single night. If your routine is get into bed, leave the things behind the bedroom is is not for your laptops not for your um homework not for all these different things and then you get into bed and you make the effort to connect at that point just spoon just touch just be close together take a deep breath inhale your partner's scent and feel the warmth of their skin on your skin just just tuning into that moment makes shifts in your body and your brain and makes you more receptive. And when you do that day after day after day, instead of day after day after day sort of tuning out and pulling away from your partner, you'll get closer. And one of the important, I have to say this, this is really, really, really important. There cannot be an expectation for anything. The expectation to have sex is really, really unsexy. Having zero expectations automatically increases the sexual the sexual tension there and it it makes both people more interested. And also, you know, if no sex happens, no intercourse happens, you can still caress, you can still touch. And because there's no expectations, there's no resentment, because again, resentment is a love killer. And how are we, how are men and women our own worst, our own, we're looking for the other one to start it rather than being the instigator and the beginner of that. And how is it, you know, to start 
this start the touching, one has to be the instigator, but you don't have to. Let me rephrase it. How is the one to one state just to instigate it? How would a person or man or a woman go about just the beginning of it? In easy way. The easy way, you know, it starts in the head. Your partner, okay, say, say you're the one, okay, the instigator is generally the high desire one. Let's just say that, okay? There's usually one person in the relationship who wants a lot more sex and a lot more touch than the other one. And what makes the other one pull away is that the high desire one uh, is a bit of a pest. They bug, they guilt. Oh, I guess, uh, oh, it's, it's been a week. Oh, I guess um, guess it won't be getting laid tonight. They they become the most irritating and unattractive person in the world. I know I was that person when I was married. I <laughs> I hate to admit it. I was young. This was my mistake. But um, that person when they they just they turn off the other person with their neediness. When there's an agreement that there's no expectations with touch. It gives the other person time because when you don't have any latent desire, when you're not lying there in bed horny and, and wanting your partner, maybe you're tired, maybe your body's sore, maybe you do have a headache, maybe you're stressed and you're lying there and your partner starts poking you or, or kind of like doing that thing that they do where you know that they want it. You're like, oh, God, that's not what I want. So you either pull away or you're like, all right, get it over with. Now, that hurts. To the person who wants sex and who wants that connection, that really, really hurts. So then you both shut down. Now, what has to happen is when the person who doesn't, who's not horny, when they know that they can be touched without automatically having this pressure for sex, um, their partner can touch them and hold them and caress them and actually relax them into their own arousal. So you may start off feeling a certain way, but after having so many minutes of of warmth and gentle touching and and no expectations, you may change a little bit. And comfort and that safety will help you change. So from both sides, I think that some maturity and communication has to happen first about sex. Um a lot of times there already is some stress over the lack thereof or over the other person being demanding. And, well, yeah, so develop some communication skills. Long-term relationships are work if you want them to be good. And I would say, like, two of the best resources for that are my favorite, favorite guy in the entire world. Um, His name is Al Turtle. That's A-L. Turtle, T-U-R-T-L-E. He's online. Um, He's got a website, alturtle.com, with tons of incredible communication articles. And he also is an active participant in some forums called um, Marriage Advocates. If you want to help yourself and help your relationship and and get it better, um, check him out. He's he's worth it. And the other one is... um, I'm not associated with these people. I've just, they have been so incredibly helpful for me personally and, um, you know, for my clients. So I have to, I have to say this. It's called um, Getting the Love You Want 
It's a book by um, Harville Hendricks, and there's a book, a um, a workbook that goes with it. Um, the reason we don't want to reach out is that we're afraid of rejection. One person may not reach out because they're afraid of having expectations that are placed on them the second that they touch the other person. The other person may not reach out because they're afraid of being rejected. So, you know, this involves a little bit of um, growing up, getting over yourself, and connecting for connection's sake, connecting because it's important. Because the longer you don't connect, the further apart you're going to get. And it doesn't get better on its own. You have to work at it. And, but here's actually, this is a question I have, and then I'm, we'll close out the show. Really, doesn't the intimacy, both people have to expand through the in, in, intimacy together? Yeah. It's all about togetherness. You know, you can you can be sexually expressive on your own. You can cultivate your own sexuality, and I am a big advocate of that. But the other person and the togetherness is what creates intimacy. And ultimately, that's what everybody's seeking. Even the people who are out there, you know, looking just for just for fun just for fun, nothing serious, they're still seeking connection. And that's what we're all seeking. And it's a conscious decision. And what level you're at is going to determine your level of fulfillment and happiness in life. And it's also, it's the most erotic thing that you can do with your partner. And the website is www.thesensationalist.org. And I'll say it again. It's www.thesensualist.org. And there's a contact form if you want to call Freya or get a hold of Freya, give her your email or phone number, and get a consultation or a life-expanding experience with Freya. And Freya, give them some wisdom, and then I'm going to close out the show. Yeah, um, I'll just say I would love to hear from anybody. Um, I have a Facebook page. Contact me through The Sensualist, my website. Um, Again, sexuality is the most profound thing you can experience, so it's worth putting the work into it. Work doesn't sound sexy, but it, it certainly is. It makes it uh, incredible and life-expanding. All right. Thank you, Freya. And we'll have Freya back because <clears throat> there is a lot of wisdom in Freya to expand the intimacy in the world, and that's what we're looking for, peace and intimacy. And thank you, Freya. Thank you. It was great talking to you, and I will uh, hopefully be back soon. You will. And thank everybody, and everybody have a good evening. All right. Good night.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.